Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, and welcome back. This is going to be for Colossians chapter 1. So a little background about this uh, particular chapter or book. Colossae, along with the larger neighboring cities of Heropolis and Laodicea, was a successful mercantile city in Asia Minor. The record is silent as to how the gospel was introduced to the Colossians. Paul referred to a local member named Epaphras, as a faithful member, uh, faithful minister in Christ, this man may have been converted by Paul in Ephesus during Paul's third missionary journey. It's believed that Epaphras took the gospel home to Colossae, and it spread throughout the region. Just as the gospel flourished, however, so did an odd blend of Jewish religion and Greek philosophy. In time, this heresy made inroads into the congregations of the saints. Epaphras, unable to deal with the, with the growing acceptance of false religion, visited Paul in Rome for counsel on how to combat the threat. Paul wrote this letter sometime around A.D. 60 or 62. The effect of the encroaching heresy was to diminish the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Paul corrected this false idea by teaching that Christ is the very image of God, that he is the creator, the head of the church, the first to be resurrected, a member of the Godhead, the Redeemer, and the hope of, of the gospel which ye have heard. Paul encourages the Philippian saints, uh, which I read before, um, to follow Christ. Paul reminds the Colossians that redemption comes only through Christ. Paul teaches the Colossians what they should do as the elect of God. And so we'll read this part. Uh, let's see here some more about Colossians. Um, Though it's difficult to determine the date and the precise location of Paul's whereabouts, it is likely that Colossians was written from Rome in about A.D. 60 while in prison. It would appear that Paul had not visited Colossae prior to the Prior to his writing this letter, not many years later, the town was ruined by, a, by an earthquake and its site was not excavated until the 19th century. This letter is one additional evidence of the impending apostasy that would engulf the Christian church after the death of the apostles. The message to the Colossians can be summarized in three major topics, the preeminence of Christ, false doctrines that seek to undermine the doctrine of Christ, and principles that will help us become like Christ. That was by Clyde Williams. Okay, um, let's see here, a little bit more about uh, Colossians. Uh, maybe I've read some of this. Uh, from Paul's response, however, we can determine the following elements and teachings of the Colossian heresy. One, the Colossian saints had strict rules regarding what could be eaten and drunk and religious festivals that they could participate in, and circumcision. They were highly ascetic, self-denial. There was, there was some form of angel worship that is, appealing to certain good angels for protection against evil spirits. They claimed to have certain hidden or secret knowledge. Uh, they, also, uh, they often relied on human wisdom, knowledge, and tradition rather than from the doctrines and revelations of church leaders. And finally, the Colossian spirit, or the Colossian saints minimized the role of, of the mission of Jesus Christ. That was by Bruce Satterfield. All right, verse 1 of chapter 1 of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, remember this is Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, as in all generations of the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who, ha who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of, of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Elder Bishar McConkie said that it is the spiritual understanding of, or knowledge that sets the saints apart from the, from the world. Others may equal or excel them in scientific knowledge, in ph philosophical comprehension, or in any of the things of the world, but only the saints of God are, do or can understand the things of God. For these come by revelation. For instance, only the saints understand the atonement, comprehend the doctrines of salvation, enjoy the gifts of the Spirit, receive the spiritual rebirth, exercise faith unto life and salvation, and have a sure hope of eternal life. Verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through, the, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, Christ is in the image of God, Jesus is the firstborn in the Spirit. He is the literal Son of God the Father, the only begotten or firstborn of the Father in the flesh. He is the firstborn from the dead. And that was by Clyde Williams. Verse 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Elder McConkie said, in other words, in Christ is found every godly attribute in its perfection, which means that the Father dwells in him and he in the Father. This same promise that the Father can dwell in us is offered to all people. As we perfect our lives, we can become one with the Father and the Son. Joseph Smith said, all those who keep his commandments shall grow up from grace to grace and become heirs of the of the heavenly kingdom and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, possessing the same mind, being transformed into the same image or likeness, even the express image of him who fills all in all, being filled with the fullness of his God, of his glory and become one in him, even as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him be, to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Through the atonement of Christ, coupled with obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel, men are re reconciled to God and to Christ. And that was by Bruce McConkie. Verse 21, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Even wicked men through repentance are reconciled to God through Christ. Again, Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 22. 
in the in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unprovable in his sight unreprovable in his sight if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which are pre which was preached to every creature which is under heaven Elder McConkie also said, Reconciliation remains in force only on the condition of continued obedience. Will everyone hear the gospel message? Did you hear the gospel in the pre-mortal life? Will, will everyone hear the gospel message either in this life or in the spirit world? What Paul probably wrote was that the gospel, was, will, uh, the gospel shall be preached to every creature which is under heaven. This is what we commonly say today to emphasize the importance of the gospel message and the universality of its application. However, two truths are known with reference to, what, who, uh, to who has and who will hear the gospel. One, every living creature or every living soul did hear the gospel in pre-mortal existence. And two, every living soul shall hear the gospel again, either in this life <clears throat> or in the spirit world before the day of resurrection and judgment. This same gospel was revealed to Adam and to all the saints of, of old. Christ restored it in the meridian of time. Paul and the ancient apostles preached it to the extent of their strength and abilities, and it has been restored again for the last time through Joseph Smith in this final dispensation. With its restoration has come the decree that it shall be preached in every nation and among every people before the second coming of Christ. All men, however, will not hear it while in mortality. Rather, untold hosts will hear the message in the spirit world, for the intent or for the eternal decree is that there is no eye that shall not see neither eye that neither ear that shall not hear neither heart that shall not be penetrated continuing verse 23 whereof i paul am made a minister who who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of christ in my flesh for his body's sake which is the church where whereof i am made a minister according to the dispensation of god which is given to me for you to fulfill the work of god even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to the saints to his saints to whom god would make known what is the riches of the glory of this of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in his wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So here Paul's trying to bear testimony about Jesus and his preeminence and uh, his atonement and so on that uh, we need to rely upon. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.